0: Hello ladies. Good morning. It's 9 30 and so we're gonna start because I love to tell stories and the band's gonna come on in a little while and you know I gotta wrap it up. So we're gonna start right away. Who um, woke up last night with the thunder and the lightning? Yeah me too. I was watching the lightning because I live down in Long Beach and we just don't get a lot of Thunder and lightning storms down there like that. It's pretty unusual. So I was watching the lightning. I'm like, this is so beautiful. It's amazing. I love it. I was like, man, it's been going on a long time. Surely my alarm should be going off soon. I had it set for 6.50, and then I looked at my phone to see what time it was, and it was 4.50. I was like, ooh, yeah, this is going to be an adventure today of getting through the day without much sleep. But actually, this whole week has been that way for me because I have three teenagers and a 12-year-old who's basically a teenager because he's the youngest. You know, they just... They're along for the ride, and um, for better or for worse. <laughs> so one of my teens, though, is walking through heartbreak, which um, you know that means there's a lot of late-night conversations. Because here's the thing about teens that I've discovered: is they really love to talk to you like after 11 p.m. <laughs> it's so sweet, but also sometimes I'm like, guys, I'm kind of getting old now. I, I need to sleep. The other, on last Saturday I was at a conference all day, like it was fantastic. I was a, actually not a speaker, I was listening and I just felt like I had been fed information like through a fire hose for hours and I came home, just my head was kind of just spinning, thinking about it all and sat in the living room with all my kids and we were all talking about our day and, and then it, it was literally 11 o'clock. I was like, guys, I gotta go to bed, okay? And um, I went into my room, and they literally followed me in there and just stood around the I was in bed with the covers on. My bra was off. I was like, it's lights out. Come on. And they still wanted to talk. Um, but that's, that's OK, because you know what? We were pursuing connection. And the reality is pursuing connection, a lot of times, is going to be inconvenient. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require staying up late or getting up early. It's going to require maybe getting muddy or your car getting muddy. Um, it might require peeing in the woods. I know some of you are like, all right, I'm out of this conference. <laughs> I'm out of here, this seminar, rather. It's going to be inconvenient, but it's so worth it because we are built for connection. We are built for relationship. And we live in a time right now where there are so many opportunities for us to feel connected to things, to feel really busy with all of the stuff, right? Activities to take part in, classes, emails to answer, podcasts to listen to, causes to champion But what can happen is we can make our life so full of all the things that we don't really have time to pursue relationship and really cultivate relationship because it does take time. It's not just inconvenient, it's an investment in our time. And what can happen then is that we're so busy feeling connected to things but not realizing that we aren't truly and then we can feel lonely and in those spaces, times and spaces of loneliness, I think Satan really goes to work in our hearts. He allows us to get lost in our thoughts and our fears or become discouraged. And we don't have anybody else out there as a voice to say, that's not the truth. Don't listen to him. We need connection. That's what God created us for. That's why it matters. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about it in a way that um, sometimes seems strange to people because I'm going to talk about creating connection through adventure. But like I said last night when I introduced this seminar is adventure is the vehicle, connection is the goal. So don't get lost and think, oh I'm not an adventurous person. That's just the vehicle. That's the way we're going to get there. We can all get there and there's all different kinds of adventure. They don't all require peeing in the woods. So if that's not you, you're good. Um, I have three sons, so there, so there will be several references to um, Potty Talk because that's just my world. Um, I know you guys can hang. You can handle it, all right? It won't be, it won't be too bad. Because here's the thing. Um, as a mom of four, three boys and one girl, being connected to my kids, of course, is so important to me. I want to cultivate connection with them. Uh, I, I know that creating lasting connection with them is my ultimate goal. I don't want us to just, you know, we're together until they're 18 and they get out of there. I want us to be connected through their whole life. And that's really a countercultural idea. Lifetime connection as families. It's not what the world is saying is possible. In fact, the world is kind of telling us that's impossible. Kids grow up and start hating their parents. Parents start hating their kids. People get divorced. They end up alone. And the world wants you to think lasting connection is not possible, but I just don't believe that that has to be our story. And I remember when my kids were all little, I was pregnant with my fourth, so I had three little ones. They were Five, three, and one. And um, we would go to the grocery store. And I remember being at Trader Joe's specifically because you know the the aisles at Trader Joe's are so narrow. And my kids would like want to fan out behind me. And I would say, single file, ducks in a row, ducks in a row. And so we'd be walking, and they'd be like supposed to be in a single file line behind me. And inevitably, every time someone would say to me, oh, your kids are so cute. You have your hands full. And I would be like, yes, I do. And then always someone would say, but just wait till they're teenagers. And it was like the doom and gloom just rained on my parade of my cute little ducks in a row. And they would tell me stories about how awful it was for them and how awful it was going to be for me. And I would get discouraged, but I also am a little bit rebellious. So I would be fired up and be like, you know what? That's not going to be our story. I don't want to grow up with my kids and then we don't like each other anymore. I mean, I know that's going to happen a little bit here and there, but all the time, really? That's all I have to look forward to after... These years I've put in of changing diapers and nursing forever, like, I don't get any good times with them when they're older. No way. And so I determined in my heart that we would have a different story. But I knew it wasn't going to just happen accidentally. It was going to take really a lot of intention. I think sometimes we feel because we're related to people or we spend time with them that we automatically will have a relationship with them. They're my kids. Of course we'll have a relationship. He's my husband. Of course we'll have a relationship. She's my mom. He's my dad. Of course we'll have a relationship. We work together. We're friends. We hang out. And we just think it happens automatically, but that's not the case. Building relationship and connection takes intentional Effort. It takes time, it takes thought, and thankfully for me, I had parents who really modeled that well. They did a great job cultivating connection with my family. We didn't take a lot of expensive vacations. It wasn't Disney World or even Disneyland all the time, and that was where the magic happened. In fact, as a kid, we went on one one vacation, like real proper vacation that I can remember because that was what we could afford. But we did go to the beach a lot because it was a close drive. We went on bike rides with my dad. He even made taking a trip to the dump after we cleaned junk out of the backyard fun. He had this song that we thought was magic. Here's the song, to the dump, to the dump, to the dump, dump, dump to the dump, to the dump, to the dump, 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 to the dump, to the dump to the dump, 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 to the dump, dump, dump." And we were like, I was like five, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love that song. Building connection does not take splash and flash, but it does take time and presence and maybe singing silly songs with your kids that they'll remember when they're 47. You don't have to create magic all the time, but you do have to be there. You do have to show up. So I thought, well, how can I show up for my kids? What lights me up and what lights them up? And I decided we would go on adventures. Because with four kids under six, I needed to get out of the house sometimes. (laughs) I would get kind of lost in my to-do list and the nap time schedule and cleaning up crumbs after every stinking meal and picking up toys again and again and teaching them how to pick up toys. And um, I needed to get out. I needed to have a space where we connected with one another intentionally and we were just building that relationship. So I decided we would adventure together every week and we built time into our schedule to cultivate that connection. And um, it was a little easier for me because I'm a homeschool mom so I didn't have to try to fit it in on the weekends. I won't deny to you that that is going to make it harder. But still taking a day out of our schedule knowing that I was going to be packing backpacks in, in the morning because I always wanted to do it the night before, but that didn't always happen. And um, we would get dirty. We would get muddy. Somebody was going to pee their pants. Um, I was going to have to breastfeed on the side of a trail. Those things were the reality. But I got to tell you, we've been doing it now for 14 years, and it has been so worth it. Doing the work is worth it. And I want to give you guys just four reasons for you to hold on to of why connecting through adventure, the way that I've intentionally pursued it with my kids, the way that you can pursue it with your own children, or because I know some of you are like, wait, I don't have little kids. This doesn't apply to me. You can do it in your marriage. You can do it in your friendships. You can do it in relationship with your adult parents, I love adventuring with my dad still, and actually adventuring with my mom too. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to give you four reasons why I think connecting through adventure is so powerful, and how you can incorporate it into your own life. And you guys got a piece, a handout, I think, when you came in. If not, you can get them from the back table. And on there, I have the four four reasons listed. We're going to talk about each one, but I just want to share them with you right now, so you get them in your head. So adventure is a powerful connecting tool because it creates space for us to enjoy each other. It teaches us what real connection looks like. That's so important right now. It allows discomfort, which encourages growth. That one's not as fun, but we can do it. And lastly, adventures show redemption. So Let's talk about each one of those things. First of all, fun. I love having fun. Oh my gosh. I love love it. Um, I mean, I enjoyed singing a song about the dump. I love having fun. And I think for me, one of the reasons connecting through adventure is so great is because it provides a space for us to just have fun. And sometimes we think, well, I don't have space for fun. I don't have time for fun. But there's a a favorite book of mine. It's by Roald Dahl, the guy who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and Giant Peach. Do any of you guys remember those books? Well, there's another book that he wrote called Danny the Champion of the World. That is actually my favorite. And it's a story of a boy and his dad, and they're really, they have a really connected relationship. And I resonated with that even as a kid when I read that book. But now as an adult, I resonate even more. And at the back of the book, the author writes this little note. And he's writing it to the kids who are reading the book. And this is what he says. It's on your handout too. Imagine it with a amazing British voice, right? He says, when you grow up and have children of your own, do please remember something important. A stodgy parent is not fun at all. What a child wants and deserves is a parent who is sparky. I love that. A parent who is sparky. Okay. Are you a sparky mom? Are you a sparky wife? Are you a sparky friend? Do people want to be with you because you invite them into fun and joyful living? Do you know by being joyful, we have such an incredible opportunity to show the world that Jesus is living in us. When we're joyful, people notice because there's a lot of people that aren't joyful. I'm sure you've encountered them as you drive on the freeway or walk in the grocery store. Right? There's people who just aren't feeling joy. And sometimes there's real reasons why, but sometimes it's just because we've forgotten that the world is wonderful and beautiful and we can have fun. So I love having fun and adventure provides an incredible space for that. Sometimes I know as a mom, I can look at my kids as a project because there's so much I have to teach them, right? I need to teach them to you know, know their multiplication tables, and I need to teach them how to brush their teeth so I don't have to tell them to do it, how to cut their own fingernails. Okay, My teens have all learned this, but I'm not going to lie, the 12-year-old sometimes still needs reminding, um, baby of the family. Uh, you need to teach them when they're little not to wipe their boogers on the wall next to their bed. You know you all had a kid who did that, and if you think you didn't, you did. My mom was horrified when she learned that my younger brother used to wipe his boogers under the dining room table. (laughs) There's a lot we have to teach our kids. How to look people in the eye when they talk to them. How to drive. Man, I'm in the middle of that. How to navigate relationships. I'm in the middle of that. There's a lot we have to teach our kids. And so we can get lost in that, in the minutia of teaching the people we love how to live well, and then we lose the fun and we become naggy, right? We can can be a naggy mom, we can be a naggy wife, we can be a naggy daughter, we can be a naggy friend, and we lose sight of the fun. And you can't be the fun mom or the fun friend or the fun wife all the time, but you need to be sometimes. You need to be sometimes because you need to let the joy of the Lord in your heart and let it shine out so people are attracted to you but mostly they're attracted to jesus because he's the source of your joy right amen? amen thank you my dad's a pastor and i love getting an amen like my dad does <laughs> it feels so good but here's another reason number two on that list why Connecting through adventure is important and powerful. It's not just that we get to have fun and provide a place to connect, but adventure shows us what real connection looks like. It shows us what real connection looks like. Um, And that is more important now, I think, than ever before. Because we are living in a world that's offering a lot of substitutes for true connection. A lot of dangerous and damaging connections, right? They're, they're not true connection, but they seem like they are. The other topic I speak a lot on is pornography. And pornography is the ultimate example of disconnection, false connection. In fact, connect disconnection to such an extent that people can't truly connect with one another. And, and so I have purposely planned to teach my kids to show them again and again what real connection looks like so when they're offered the alternative they will know the difference and they will say that's a lie I choose the real thing it matters so much to give them an understanding and an appetite for true connection with us and then as they grow with their friends and later on with the people they will have intimate relationships with Their boyfriends, their girlfriends, their husbands, their wives. Teach your people what real connection looks like so they can recognize it and pursue it themselves. It matters now more than ever before. And I know sometimes we think like, oh, just hanging out, having fun, going on adventures. Is that like that's an extra, right? We don't really have time for that. We got to do homework. We've got to do the laundry. We got to make dinner, go grocery shopping. I've got emails to answer All of those things are true, but they should not be over the connection piece, right? We shouldn't allow them to constantly be at the top of our list. And I recognize that as a young mom, when I was allowing the nap time schedule and sweeping up the crumbs and making sure that the toys were put away 50 times a day, that I was allowing those things to supersede my opportunity to connect with my kids because they felt more important. And again, that can be a lie that Satan wants to tell you. Do all the things, check off your list. Those matter more than the people you're with. And that can apply to you as a mom or in any other relationship. We can make the list, the to-do, more important than the people. Thank you. (laughs) You get an extra point. Um, I love that. So. So we want to connect because we want to enjoy the people we're we're with. We want to enjoy them and have fun with them, right? But also, we want to show them what true connection looks like, and adventures provide just a crazy good way to do that. Also, we want to allow space for discomfort. And adventures also allow for discomfort. And that one seems less important. I mean, less, less um, pleasant. It seems unpleasant in, in many cases. But we need to allow time for discomfort because that's where we grow. We grow in discomfort. Our kids grow in discomfort. Even other relationships like our marriages, a relationship with our adult parents, we grow in discomfort. And, and I'm going to be honest, I love being comfortable. In 2020, we got air conditioning in our house. First time in my entire life I had had air conditioning. Here's what happened. My husband had to work from home because 2020. And at the end of summer, he goes, it is horrible in this house in the summer. And I'm like, amen. Amen. <laughs> He didn't realize because he was never home. He was home. I mean, he was at work all day in air conditioning, and he didn't realize just how bad it really got in there. But after he experienced the adventure of discomfort, he was like, I'm going to do something about this. So we figured out in our budget a way to get air conditioning, and it has been the best thing in the world. (laughs) My middle-age hormones are singing the hallelujah chorus all the time. Um... And my kids will be like, why is it freezing in here? I'm like, put on a sweater because mom needs to be comfortable. (laughs) So clearly, I like comfort. But discomfort, all those years when I didn't have air conditioning, I was growing. I was learning to deal with my heat rage. And um, here's the deal. When we are experiencing discomfort, we grow on our own, but we also grow together together. Discomfort pushes us together. So when we're experiencing discomfort together through adventure, that's a wonderful way for us to cultivate connection. And An example of this in my life that I've experienced with my children over and over again, is while we go hiking, and we hike a lot. We love it, most of the time. my youngest especially beloved davy i love him i'm going to tell a lot of stories about that poor kid but we love him we adore him but he is just he's just a unique guy <laughs> and he doesn't particularly love hiking especially if there's a big hill and he'll say at that point like shooting like daggers out of his eyes to cuz we hike with a lot of other moms and he'll say who picked this hike <laughs> He wants to like let that person know he is not happy. (laughs) So one year, he was like eight at the time. We were hiking up a big hill. It was really hot. I didn't particularly like it either. I don't like being hot. And um, honestly, I wanted to just get myself up the hill and get to the place where there was going to be shade. And we were going to rest and have lunch. And it was going to be great. But I had David who was walking way behind me lagging and just hating everybody and everything and um i knew because the holy spirit reminded me that gentleness brings people closer to me than harshness ever does And my flesh wanted to say to him littler kids than you are doing this hike what is wrong with you be a man he was eight right that's what i wanted to say Because I was uncomfortable, I was unhappy, but I knew gentleness was going to pull him closer to me and to my heart, unite us in that moment. And so I said, I know this is hard, I know you don't like this, but I will hold your hand. I will hold your backpack for five minutes and then you can have a a turn. I'll give you a piece of gum, I'll sing with you, I'll pray with you, I'll stay with you. And it wasn't like at that moment he like squared his shoulder and was like, Thanks mom, I can do it. You're amazing. He didn't say that at all. He was just like, I hate this hike. And that's reality sometimes. He was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. But we made it to the top of the hill, slowly. And when we got to the top, I said, David, I just bent down to look right in his eyes. I was like, buddy, you did it. I know that you thought it was hard. I know you didn't want to, but we did it. We did it together, and I'm so proud of you. And he looked at me and he said, Mom, the Lord gives the weary strength. I was like, yes, he does. Amen. And then he just ran off. I was like, wow, he's listening. He's listening. But here's the lesson that I think was so valuable in that moment was not just that David could get to the top of the hill, but that I was doing it with him. Because climbing a a big hill when you're eight isn't that big of a deal, but later on, David has gone and will continue to go through much harder things. And he can look back on all the times that I hiked alongside him and held his backpack for a few minutes, offered him gum, said I'd pray with him. Whatever it took, I didn't leave, that I would stick with him. And even more, he knows Jesus will too, because we invited Jesus into the moment of our discomfort. That's The opportunity discomfort allows us. And my kids aren't growing up on a farm, getting up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. to milk cows and take care of livestock. Like, that's not their life. They don't really have a lot of discomfort. We do have one bathroom for six people. That's discomfort. Um, But I always say, hey, if that's the worst thing that happens to you in your life, you're doing pretty great. (laughs) But they don't have the opportunity to experience much discomfort. And so sometimes we bring it in intentionally to provide us places to grow individually and grow together because discomfort allows us to cultivate connection. It's a good place to do it. All right, the last one on that list of the four that I gave you is it becomes um, an opportunity. Adventure provides an opportunity for us to experience redemption, and that usually comes after or during a misadventure. And sometimes we think misadventures, when everything goes wrong, we're like, well, that was a waste. Nothing good could come of that, right? Why did that have to happen that way? I am not a perfectionist in most of my life, but when I plan an adventure, I really want it to go well. I just love the planning and I love and, and you know dreaming of all the things that, that could be so fun and so wonderful about it. But here's the thing with four kids. <laughs> something is always gonna go wrong. And when they were little, it was something like, you know, we went to a museum and some kid like stepped across the line and got really close to a painting and the docent comes over and is like, that's five million dollars. And if your kid touches it, you're all going to jail. <laughs> um or yeah, somebody has um, forgotten to pack snacks, that'd be me. And the kids are digging in for whatever snails, stale snacks, not snail stacks, snail, stale snacks that were at the bottom of their backpack. Or it was 90 degrees when it said it was only going to be 75 and we're running out of water and we still have an, a mile to go. Or this is the family favorite. The one time, the one time that I did not pack toilet supplies, and I get a surprise attack of diarrhea on the trail. And to this day, my kids are worried when they can't find their socks. And that is a true story. (laughs) Here's the deal. When our family experiences misadventure, we say, it'll make a great story later. And that one is, is like at the top of the list. It will make a great story later. But that, that idea isn't just a funny, like, get through it kind of thing. Over the years of saying that and believing it and stepping into it, it has actually changed the posture of our hearts. That's redemption at work, right? Like, in the middle, man, it feels awful. It feels hard. It feels uncomfortable or embarrassing or gross, but then you get to the other side and you see what God is doing and how he's worked. And you say, wow, that is a great story. That is redemption at work. And one time we, I got to see my kids really taking that idea and living it on their own was my two older boys. They were um, going on a backpacking trip. They're Boy Scouts. My oldest is an Eagle Scout. My next one is almost an Eagle Scout. They love outdoor adventures. And they were going on their first overnight backpacking trip um, on an island, Catalina Island, which is down in Southern California. It was September. Not supposed to rain, but apparently that happens sometimes, (laughs) that it rains. And so when we sent them off on the boat, they were so pumped. And the weather looked great, and they were um, convinced they didn't need to pack all the things that they were supposed to have for their trip which a boy scout is always supposed to be prepared. So they were not following the rules. But I've raised some kids that don't always follow the rules. They're very free thinkers. So they're like, hey, we checked the forecast. We don't need to pack ponchos. We don't need to pack rain gear. It's fine. There's no rain forecasted. Well, sure enough, two hours after they left, this storm came out of nowhere. It was raining, thunder, lightning. And all I could think was, man, I'm so bummed. I wanted them to have a great time. And being wet all weekend is not. fun. A wet tent, wet boots, wet underwear, everything. It's just not fun. And and so I was disappointed and I felt like I should have prepared them better, should have made sure that they took their rain gear. Um, But all I could do was like pray that they'll still have fun and it will be okay. They came home a few days later. A friend drops them off and I run out to meet them and their shoes are just caked with thick mud. They're filthy. And I run out and I was like, guys, how was it? The rain, I'm sorry, was it terrible? And they both just got these huge grins and they said, mom, it was awesome. It was awesome. And my, my um, second born who is just the life of the party, he goes, mom, I gotta tell you a story. When the storm came up, we were still on the boat, and I was in the bathroom, and it was like peeing on Star Tours because I was like this in front of the toilet. (laughs) I was like, nice, the poor people who had to clean that boat after all those Boy Scouts. And then he said, and there were kids puking over the side of the rail, and it was so awesome, Mom. And then my oldest, who's the responsible one, firstborn, he's like, yeah, Mom, and then we had to get off the boat, and we remembered it was pouring rain, Mom, and, but we remembered you made us take trash, trash bags for our wet towels and clothes, so we made those into ponchos, and we were slipping and sliding in the mud, and we put up the tents, and it was, it was kind of a bummer. We were kind of disappointed, but then we just, like, looked at each other because they share tents because they're brothers, and he said, we just looked at each other, and we said, it'll make a great story later. And when he said it, I almost cried because I realized they're listening. They're listening to me. They're listening to us. They're watching the way we respond. And I want to tell you, that's the same for you. People are watching us. People are listening, and they're looking at the way we respond to our misadventures, big or small. They're looking at us, and they want to know how they still have the capacity for joy, or if they don't have the capacity for joy in the moment, they have the capacity for hope that there is going to be a great story later. People are watching us. That's the magic of misadventure. We want to write it off and say, oh, we wish it wasn't happening. But God is doing good things in those hard moments. And of course, I'm telling a story about a camping trip where things went wrong. But you know all of you have walked through misadventures that are much, much more difficult. And I want to remind you that God is writing a good story for you after those misadventures as well. He truly is. Because... What we need to remember and what I love being able to show my kids through our misadventures is that redemption doesn't mean our circumstances get changed, but it means our hearts are changed even when our circumstances aren't. That is God at work. He is working in our hearts to say, Lord, I accept what you're giving me. It's hard. I don't like it. I wish it wasn't happening, but I trust you. I accept it, and I have hope for what's going to come after. A heart being changed despite circumstances is redemption, and that's better than fixing everything in the moment, even though sometimes we want to. There's a man, his name is Amos Bronson Alcott. He's the father of the author Louisa May Alcott, who wrote the book Little Women. Maybe you've heard of her, and he says this about misadventure, and I love it. He says, our bravest and best lessons are not learned through success, but through misadventure. I don't like struggling (laughs) very much. I don't like watching my kids struggle. I've walked through marriage struggles with my husband, and I did not like it at all. It was the hardest thing I ever did, but to know that waiting on the other side. Even after all the heartache, there's good things waiting, good things coming. That's the success that comes through misadventure, not through everything going perfectly. So I want to close because it's almost time for us to to close it up here. I want to close with four simple things that you can do as you journey through adventures or misadventures in your life, whether that's as a family or in your marriage, your relationships with your friends or your co-workers. They're written down for you, but you can put a little star by your favorite. The first one is really simple, stop and pray. And I know you're like, oh, duh, I do that. But do you really, do you really stop and pray in the moment when you're angry or you're frustrated or you're embarrassed or somebody's making things hard? Do you stop and pray? Sometimes that means praying with your eyes open while you're driving because something is going wrong. Sometimes it means stopping and praying in the middle of the grocery store, and you know everyone's looking at you, and you're going to look like a weirdo. But it's okay. Stop and pray. Stop and pray. Second, be an encourager. Our words have the capacity to hurt or to heal. And in moments of stress, the easiest thing for us to do, the thing that Satan tempts us to do is to speak harsh words. But harsh words stir up anger. Gentle answers, they turn away wrath. They bring people to us. Be an encourager with your words. It's so powerful to bring healing with the words that you have given to others. The third thing on the list is to practice reframing and flexibility. Reframing just means giving people a different view of a difficult circumstance. And it doesn't mean that you're denying it's hard. But it means, hey, we're having that hope that it will make a great story later. Right? We're having hope of redemption coming. Maybe the redemption is just we're going to get out of this traffic jam that's causing us to be hours late and we're going to um, get a milkshake before we head home. <laughs> maybe that's the redemption or maybe it's something so much bigger. Practicing flexibility is also so powerful. I've always said I wanted my kids to grow up to be people who bend in the wind and don't break. I want to be a person who bends in the wind and doesn't break. That's flexibility. Being willing to say, wow, this is not what I wanted, but I'm going to pivot. I know some of you are probably triggered by that word. That was used a lot in the last few years. We're going to pivot. But it is valuable to be a person who can make a quick change and not just fall apart when things don't go according to plan. We're not in charge, so we can't always make things go the way we planned. And then the fourth thing on the list is something that's very near and dear to my heart, and it's learning from people who have walked through true adversity, hearing their stories. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I am not a fan of TikTok or Snapchat or even Instagram, even though I have to be on Instagram for my job. Um, Because here's the thing. Our kids are idolizing people who make 15 second videos where they like dance like this and they're a hero, right? Or they're unboxing toys and they're a hero. And our kids spend hours scrolling for 15 seconds of this person doing something that, I mean, I can't dance that way, so they are better dancers than me. But compare them to someone who has walked through true adversity. We need to show our kids ourselves our families, what true adversity looks like, and be inspired by those people. So on that handout you got is a list of books of people who have walked through true adversity. And I encourage you to read them. If you're not a reader, then listen to them on audio. Or find a movie that talks about these people. Because I'm telling you, if you hear the story of Corey Tenboom, who survived a Nazi concentration camp, and lost many family members. And you hear her story about how Jesus changed her heart even in the darkest places. And she came out and she had forgiveness to her enemies. You hear her story and I guarantee your messed up camping trip or the dinner that burnt or whatever it is, it's making you feel less than joyful, your perspective is gonna change. Fill your hearts with the stories of people who have clung to God in the darkest places. Share them with the people you love and let those inspire you more than a 15 second TikTok video. Okay, please, I'm begging you, it really matters. What we feed ourselves, what we feed our children, and I don't just mean what we put in their bellies, but what we feed into their heads and their hearts matters so much. I'm going to close with one quote that sort of sums that up. And it's a quote from Mr. Rogers. And he said, What we watch becomes who we are. Now, Mr. Rogers lived long before everybody was carrying a phone in their pocket, right? But he knew about the power of screens. It was a television screen, but he knew it. And he said, what we watch is what we become. So what your children, what your family, the people that you spend time with, what they see, what they ingest through their head, into their heads, into their heart, even how they, what they see in your reactions and how you're living your life, it truly matters. And you have the ability to impact them for good. And you can do that through adventures, like we talked about today, or some other way that lights you up. But pursue connection because it truly is life-changing. It's what we need. It's how God designed us to be. Thanks.